You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Myron Metcalf here on a Friday. Purple Daily on Score North. Uh, looks like I'm going to be doing this on Fridays from now on, unless Phil Mackey kicks me off. Uh, Manny up, Fresh, dude? what's up, man? What's happening, brother? This is good, man. I got on one glove because my right hand's cold for some reason, and I look like Michael Jackson, <laughs> but it's okay, right? It's Friday. It's okay. You just don't you don't have, like, the, the glittery sparkles on the glove. You know what? It's just kind of like a... It's a fake. It's a fake. Like, I should put it's some glitter glove. on it. Yeah. Put, I should put some glitter on it. Kind of looking like an OJ glove there. Oh, my goodness. Like, You're yeah. right. You You're right. Like You're right. It is kind of a... We have to put something on it to yeah, kind of to steer it away from that. This is not an OJ glove. I'm gonna write that on this glove. <laughs> it's cool to be talking football in January. Um, for those who don't know me, my name is Myron Metcalf. I used to work at the Star Tribune for a long time. Now I'm at ESPN. I've uh, been with ESPN for the last eight years. My day to day, my daily job is I'm a college basketball reporter, but I also do a lot of radio for ESPN nationally. Uh, and this season, I've hosted the pregame show, the NFL pregame show. With my man Matt Jones, uh, Dan Orlovsky, who is one of the brightest minds in football. Um, and with that job, man, I've had a chance to go to Bristol a lot on Sundays mm-hmm. and hang around sort of the national folks, the Schefters and people like that, uh, to get a sense of like what they think about the Minnesota Vikings. And it's interesting to me because the way this season started, we talked about the Minnesota Vikings every week. I mean, first seven, eight weeks, it was always Minnesota Vikings, Kirk Cousins, Will he be the man? Will he live up to the contract? And then little by little, it became sort of like they took a backseat to some of the other emerging teams in the NFC. Uh, They became less of a storyline. And I think if you are a a, a Vikings fan, that was uh, one of the biggest maybe surprises. And that a team that was maybe the most hyped team coming into the 2018 season, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know if anybody nationally was talked about more than the Minnesota Vikings who had missed the NFC, who had gotten to the NFC Championship, added Kirk Cousins, and now all of a sudden you think this is their ticket to the Super Bowl. And then it just died. Mm -hmm. Just the buzz just (laughs) died about this team. And if you're a fan, number one thing you want is you want people talking about your team. You know why the Cowboys fans have so much juice? It's because everybody talks about the Cowboys win or lose. Nationally, there was a buzz about the Cowboys. Even when they're 4-12. Oh, my goodness. We're always talking about the Cowboys. Always yes. talking about the Cowboys. Don't even talk to a Saints fan right now. My barber's a Saints fan, and you can't even have conversations with Saints fans right now because every single comeback is going to be like, so what? We're in the NFC Championship. What are you going to do about it? Like, that's been Saints fans all season. So if you're a fan, you want to have that sense of pride to know that people around the country are talking about you. And that's not happening with the Minnesota Vikings because of the way the season ended. However, it's over. Season's over. What else can you do mm-hmm. at this point? I've heard a lot of people complain and upset. You can't go back. You can't go back to the Bears game. You can't go back to the game when uh, they made Josh Allen and the Bills. They made him look like 
Michael Vick and Joe Montana together. Michael Montana. <laughs> like, that's who they made him look like. like that Buffalo he, game was really bad. But man. my goodness, right? Come it on, the really, Buffalo really Bills. Bad. But you can't go back and change any of that stuff. So you got to move forward. And, man, there's only one question that matters to me. And there's only one question that matters, I assume, to most fi- fans of this team. Have they done enough? Will they do enough to be a playoff team next year? Because that's the thing I'm concerned about. Because I look at all the chances that they might have. They can add, boost the offensive line, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you could bring in a Gary Kubiak, who I think he brought all of his cousins too, right? And relatives. <laughs> I imagine Gary Kubiak showing up to the Vikings headquarters his cousins, and, and seven SUVs. With just everybody friends, that knows, like somebody that knows Gary Kubiak is going to be on the Viking <laughs> staff, and you don't even know who he is yet. He's going to show up to training camp. See, that's the funny part is you got all these coaches, all these young coaches around the NFL getting jobs now because yeah. they're somehow associated with Sean McVay. The Vikings are just bringing in people that were associated with Gary Kubiak. Hey, Gary Kubiak's my third cousin on my daddy's side. <laughs> uh, can I be an assistant offensive coordinator? It's interesting to me, though, because that's a serious move. And it's a serious move for this reason. I could be wrong. I'm wrong about a lot of things. But let's say there's a disaster next season. Like, let's say this season starts off even worse than this one ended. How easy is it to move Gary Kubiak into an interim head coaching role? If that's what happens. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not saying that's what they're setting up Mike Zimmer for. But there is certainly a sequence there where you say it'd be pretty easy to plug him in. Because I don't even know what his job is. What is he, assistant regional manager, assistant to the regional manager? What is even his job, <laughs> man? I think he's, I think it's offensive advisor what is that? associate head coach. Let me tell you something. If after this show, Phil Mackey <laughs> says, I'm going to give you an advisor for next week's show, uh, not because it means anything about your job performance, but just because I want somebody else in the room, I know what's coming, Okay. You do, I, I see the writing on the wall if you bring in some advisor. You do wonder what this, what Kevin Stefanski's thinking, though. When, you know, you just get, you're just, you're brought back and you get the interim tag of yeah. offensive coordinator taken off. You're just, you are the offensive coordinator. And, oh, by the way, we're bringing in Damn. Gary Kubiak, <laughs> this guy who has a lot of, a, a really long track record of being a successful offensive coordinator yeah. and a head coach. Won a Super Bowl with Don't the Denver Broncos two years ago, yeah. three years ago. Yeah, that's the, you know, you're moving with your girlfriend and, hey, my boy, uh, he wants to be our roommate. Don't, don't worry, I know he's a model, and I know he's got a nine-pack. Don't be intimidated by that. What are you talking about? How can I not be intimidated by that? But here's the thing. Kubiak is a great football mind. Mm-hmm. And Kubiak is the kind of guy where you go, perhaps in some of those offensive lulls, those offensive moments where you look at the Vikings and go, they needed another voice in the room. Kubiak can be that. I think he can be that voice of reason. But I also look at a team, man, and I wonder this. Do they need more voices? Like, if you can't handle the voices they have. Are there too many cooks in the kitchen? Is there a confusion coming for this team? Because the problem with a Kubiak, who apparently didn't get the Denver job because he wanted to control his staff. Mm -hmm. So Kubiak's not a cat who's coming into this saying, you're going to tell me how to do this, right? He's one of those alpha types. So does that blend with all of the pieces they have in that locker room right now? Or is that too much? I mean, that's the question, right? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I think, uh, for me, I feel like Mike Zimmer being the head coach is going to have to be the one to manage all of this, though, and to really kind of establish the the pecking order of all of this because Kubiak comes in with a lot of, with a lot of success. And a lot of relatives. A huge, huge, (laughs) yes. Uh, A very large resume 
a very a very good resume as an assistant coach and as a head coach. Definitely, he won, he won a Super Bowl three years ago as a head coach. He has a resume. He has that a is very undeniable. very very deep resume, and Zimmer's bringing him in. And you just have to wonder if this is kind of like the we talked about it a little bit earlier this week on this show with Matthew Collar, Judd Zolgad, and whatnot about bringing in another another voice like this when you have an offensive coordinator already in place because this is you wonder if this is very similar to when Norv Turner was here which three, didn't year, work. three years ago which didn't and work. then here in comes Pat Shermer and Pat Shermer is going to be the tight ends coach which didn't work right like so right at some point I think we have to you know maybe admit and acknowledge that Zimmer might have problems in this role of deferring responsibility and letting people kind of do what they do, right? Because mm-hmm. these things haven't worked with him. Like, it has not worked. There are a lot of teams you look at around the country, right? You look at around the NFL right now, and I would say the beauty of a team like the Rams, right? The beauty of a team like the Saints, even the Chiefs. There are some designated positions in those franchises, and they have head coaches who trust that their guys are going to do what they're supposed to do. Yeah. And if Zimmer, whether it's whoever it is on this staff, but certainly Kubiak, because we don't know exactly what his role is, but if he has a challenge trusting these guys to do their jobs, that to me could lead to just more confusion. I also wonder Kubiak being such an experienced voice, does he command more weight in that locker room? Because the last thing you want if you're Mike Zimmer is to get off to a rough start and people are looking at him, Gary Kubiak, for more advice. And they're going, okay, that's the dude with the juice. Mm-hmm. I don't know how he's going to bring it all together, but I know he has to if this is going to be a playoff team. Well, and I I look at Mike Zimmer, too, as, okay, you're, you're a defensive guy. You were brought in because you, you have this long, sustained success of being a really good defensive coordinator for a number of years. And then you get here and you have George Edwards as your defensive coordinator, but you're Mike Zimmer and you're still, you still have like your fingerprints all over this defense. You're not, you're, 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 George Edwards is your defensive coordinator, but he's not calling the defensive plays, you know, over the course of a, of a 60 minute football game every Sunday. So at this point, when you've got offensive voices, coordinators rotating in and out like clockwork over the last couple of years. At one point, at what point, if you're Mike Zimmer, you're going to take control of the entire operation because you are the head coach and relinquish some of this, these defensive play calling duties to George Edwards, who has been your defensive coordinator for five years now. Yeah. If you don't trust him now. If if you're not trusting George Edwards to coordinate your defense on Sundays, Five years into this thing, then why is George Edwards but here? I mean, and that's the question. And Cleveland dealt with this with Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson's problem was he didn't know what he was bad at. Like the worst thing you can do as a leader in any organization is not understand your weaknesses. <laughs> like it's okay to have weaknesses, put people in a position who where that's their strength. Hugh Jackson didn't want to do that. Hugh Jackson wanted to be the cook, the waiter, uh, the host. He wanted to pull your car up and valet. You can't do all that <laughs> stuff if you're running a team. And then we find out, oh, wow, you bring in a Freddie Kitchens and everyone goes, yeah, that guy is not like Hugh Jackson. He doesn't have to have his hand and everything. And what you find is a lot of those old school guys, they're not a part of this sort of newer generation where the Sean McVay's are more comfortable saying, hey, I'm not good at this, but you are. So we're going to let you do this and run that part of the show. 
Whereas some of the old school guys are more like, no, this is my operation. Look at John Gruden and the disaster that's happen- mm-hmm. happening with the mm-hmm. Oakland Raiders. John Gruden is a guy who came in and said, I run this show. I deal with personnel. I'm the coach. Hey, Khalil Mack, I know how important you are, but nobody's bigger than me. You can go. Amari Cooper, I know you're a good receiver, but you're not bigger than me either. You can go too. The problem with those guys is they get all the power a lot of times in this era. And Belichick, you can't compare because he's so unique and he's won for so long. But at least the coaches who have emerged in the last five to seven years, the ones who have won, they've been able to delegate. And a lot of these old school guys who are either out of football or they're still in football, not able to admit their weaknesses. Mike Tomlin dealt with that this year. Mike Tomlin is one of those sort of older school guys who has to have his hand in everything. And sometimes you get the power, but you don't get the results. Is that Mike Zimmer's situation? That's going to be the deciding factor mm-hmm. for me in 2019. Can you finally step back and trust the decisions you have made and trust the people that you've picked? And be the final voice. And be that final voice, but also you can be wrong too. Because Hugh Jackson did a lot of things in mm-hmm. Cleveland that were wrong, and he knew he was wrong, and Greg Williams made great points. And Todd Haley made great points. And instead of being like, you know what? We should adjust here. Baker Mayfield should be the starting quarterback coming into the year. Terod Taylor? Terod <laughs> Taylor? That's your starting quarterback over Baker Mayfield, the number one pick? Terod Taylor? Don't even know I say his own name. Like three different times he had a different way to say his name this season. <laughs> Are you kidding me? That's how you got fired. And that's how Mike Zimmer can get fired. Like Mike Zimmer can get fired by not trusting the people that he's put in these positions to win, to help him win. That's how you get the power, but you don't have the results. And I hope Kubiak coming in is Mike Zimmer saying, you know what? There's some stuff I'm not as good at. There's some stuff where, you know what? I don't trust myself as much as, you know, I would trust myself if I had someone like you being maybe another voice of reason. Hey, Mike, you sure you want to do that? Hey, Mike, we got this issue going on with your wide receivers and your quarterback. You better get on that because it might not matter in week eight, but in week 16, it might cost you a game. But I wonder if... Him bringing in Kubiak is basically Zimmer saying, okay, well, now I don't have to worry about the offense at all. I don't have to have anything to do with the offense at all. I don't have to have any input or anything. I can just focus on the defense because I'm a defensive guy, and this is what I want to do. I want to call defensive plays and put together the game plan all all week and just coordinate the defense on Sundays. You know what the trick is of that? If that is his perception, if that is his goal, if you're good, ain't nobody going to care. That's true. If you're rolling, if you're getting seven points, if you're putting points on the board, ain't nobody going to be worried about whether or not you're running the (laughs) offense or not. People just want to win. That's all they care about. That's true. They don't care about anything else. They just want to (laughs) win. They don't care how you're doing it. They don't care what you do Monday through Saturday. They want to know what happens on Sunday is going to lead to a win. They want to be in that arena, that stadium. They want to see victory. And if you're Mike Zimmer and you're smart enough to put people in a position to run the show offensively, and you can step back and do what you do best, I'd call him a very, very smart leader. We'll be back after this. So North. Scorenorth.com. Myron Metcalf back here on Purple Daily Live, right, on Score North. Purple Daily is live, or is it Purple Daily Live? Both. Okay, both. both. Phil Mack is saying it's both. Purple Daily is live and Purple Daily live uh, on Score North, scorenorth.com. Um, Manny, I think we got Kevin Seifert. We do. My man uh, from ESPN, one of the smartest minds. Uh, 
It's interesting, Kevin. I think you left the Star Tribune just as I was coming in. Was it me? Was it me, or was it was it a personal thing, or what? <laughs> no, I uh, I actually remember you uh, being in the office, and I was there. So it, uh, <laughs> we we overlapped at least a little bit. And I would say, of all the reasons I left, you were not in the top three at least. Um, f- for you, I-, I know obviously you are a reporter, and we're supposed to be objective. But when you see a Final Four in the AFC and NFC, where you've got the top four scoring offensive units in the NFL going at it on their way to the Super Bowl. How satisfying is that? Well, it, part of it, it, is, uh, it was fun. I always love when conventional wisdom gets upended, and so it was, far, it was, it was fun to see the, you know, uh, all the people who said, well, you know, these, these scoring offenses are great, but defense wins championships <laughs> uh, sort of get upended. I, I, it, it's only fair to point out that most of these teams – you know, three of the teams have pretty decent defenses, and the Chiefs' defense, the rankings were not that great, but towards the second half of the season they did uh, step up their game, and they are really good at pass rushing. So it's not as if these teams have terrible defenses, but clearly um, their ability to score uh, and score a lot and move the ball in big chunks were all big parts of their success this year. I think you bring up a really good point because I'll be on footballoutsiders.com. I'll be on you know different sites. And you look at the Chiefs, especially early in the seasons, it looked like they were horrible defensively, the Saints. But it seems like in the playoffs, the Patriots too, these teams are so smart and they made the right adjustments to where they've looked much better than the numbers suggest. Well, why is that? Well, um, you know, a big part of it is they have a, they have a big, uh, you know, they have the whole season's worth of uh, tape to look at. Yeah. Uh, the Chiefs, you know, the, the Chiefs, uh, I think they scored 35 points a game for the first 10 games of the year, and then even their offense went down by five points. Um, you know, weather tends to bring offensive numbers down, but more often than that, uh, unless you open the season with only using half of your toolbox and you save the other half for the second half of the season, which nobody does, then over time people are going to have a better idea of what's coming what certain formations mean, what possible variations could come out of that. So I think that's part of it, too. Um, you know, there's not a ton of, like, really organic innovation that happens year to year offensively in the NFL, but what does happen um, is all kind of introduced in the beginning of the year, and there, there's time to eventually catch up at least a little bit to it. So, Kevin, I'm, I'm looking at the AFC Championship game with the Patriots and Chiefs, and, and I know the – the conventional wisdom around everyone is that while the Patriots, you can never doubt the Patriots, you can never count against them, but I'm still sort of leaning Kansas City in this one just because even though the Patriots, this is what, the eighth year in a row they've been in the AFC Championship game, they've, the, the AFC Championship games that they've won have all been at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when they go on the road for these ones, the, the, last, the last two that they lost to uh, Denver, we're on the road, and and I just wonder if if it's if we're falling into this trap of wow, it, it's you can you can never count out New England. Well, you can never count them out if the game is being played at Gillette Stadium, but they're going on the road in a hostile environment, much like they did in Denver a couple of times, and I'm not sure. Yeah, and they also lost uh, in Indianapolis um, the year that the Colts won the uh, yeah. the uh, the uh, Super Bowl as well. I can't remember if that was the AFC Championship game or not, but they did was, lose yeah. that game. And so, and so that was that was part of it as well. Uh, they haven't won a road game in the playoffs at all since 2007. Um, you know, and a lot of teams are in that boat too. But like for a team like the Patriots, who are in the uh, are in the playoffs every year, that's significant. And so 
it's not, you know, a huge revelation. I mean, it makes much more sense that you, uh, uh, when you think about how hard teams try to get those seeds and be able to build up uh, home field advantage as much in the playoffs, if not all the way as they can. And um, that, uh, even now more than ever, that's really important. So, and I was looking back, as you mentioned, I was thinking back to last year's Super Bowl prediction, and they asked us who's going to win, the Patriots or the Eagles. And, you know, I think my answer, like we had to type out two sentences, and my answer was, you know, the Eagles sure are hot and they sure are doing everything right, and that was a great performance in the NFC Championship game, but nobody outsmarts the Patriots. And so I kind of fell into that boat last year of thinking, like, if it's at all close, you have to pick the Patriots because they're smarter than everybody else. And so that is, and as it turned out, you know, the, the Eagles were able to, to, to overwhelm them and maybe outsmarted the Patriots in that game, especially with that Philly special play. And so I think that's kind of holding me back from saying the same thing this year. It's like, ah, you know, you know, the, you look at it on paper, and the Chiefs look like they should honestly blow them out of the water, but certainly have a lot more athletic ability and a lot more possibilities for the way they could win the game than the Patriots do. But uh, you know, but but you know, who knows what you know what Bill Belichick comes up with? I'm inclined to lean to the Chiefs. I picked the Chiefs. Uh, this the, this hasn't even been the strongest Patriots team uh, that we've seen in the past few years, and so you add that on top of them playing on the road and. I don't want to say the mystique is gone, but it's easier to view it on a on a level playing field, and so that's why I would, you know, this year especially, I'm shying away from the the fall position that the Patriots will figure it out, and I think the Chiefs will win this game. Kevin, can you introduce me to Sean McVay so I can get an NFL job too? <laughs> well, the best part of that whole deal, and it hasn't gotten enough uh, attention, is the Arizona Cardinals put out a press release about Cliff Kingsbury, the Texas Tech coach who got fired and then suddenly ended up being the. Arizona coach, and I think it's said in there somewhere he's friends with Sean McVay. This is in the official press release. Uh, you know, he hasn't worked for him, hasn't worked with him, but he is friends with him, so that's a big uh, plus. And so I, um, I, and then yesterday, uh, Wade Phillips, the defensive coordinator, was really funny. Somebody asked him about his son, who's a tight ends coach in Washington, and he said, um, well, the best thing about him is he knows Sean McVay, so if anybody's looking for a head coach, maybe they should check out the tight ends coach of the Washington Redskins. And so that uh, that has uh, going to be it's going to be a good joke that won't get old for a long time because half the league is now uh, employing one of those assistants to be their head coach. Yeah, I think that's a funny story. So uh, the NBA announced that their officials are going to interact with fans on Twitter during a, a couple of games, and I think that'll be fun. Like I think NBA Twitter, it's I mean it can be serious, but really it's pretty lighthearted. Uh, yeah. I think the NFL should try that. However, I'm concerned that. NFL Twitter is not as lighthearted, and there might be some threats that are made, and it could turn into a whole different situation. Well, the thing about the NBA is there's, there's going to be another game in the next night or two nights later. Yeah. 82, is it 82 now games in the year that the NBA has? And so yep. The NFL is just 16, and, uh, and every one of them creates such an emotional overload that I can see, uh, I can see it getting pretty ugly pretty fast. And, um, but I do think that you know whether it's that or something – the NFL and then really all leagues and official officiating could do a better job of I don't want to say being transparent because I don't think that they're intentionally blocking, but just uh, explaining what these rules are about, why they have them, uh, why it was called here, what the purpose was, why it wasn't called there. Just I guess demystifying um, the rule book and the rules and the intentions of the rules. Whatever they can do to do that. I think will help. Uh, you know, there's definitely a default position amongst sports fans to blame the ref and be upset at the ref and point out the three mistakes he made and ignore the 97 correct calls that he made uh, over the same time period, and that's never going to go away. But 
I do think in just watching it, um, there is a lot of criticism that goes to officiating based on somebody not knowing the rule or not knowing what they're trying to accomplish or not knowing and not seeing what the violation was and not having it really explained by the referee or the official. And so I think anything that can be done to demystify what they're up to would be a huge bonus. What's going to be a key for the Rams to go into the Superdome and beat the Saints? Because as good as I think the Rams are, that place is its so hard to win there. And you were just yeah. there on, on Sunday for the Eagles and Saints. It's just right. how are the Rams going to put this together if they can? Well, I'd want to say, well, they need to get out to an early lead and get the crowd out of the game. But what did the Eagles do last week? It was 14 right. nothing before the end of the first quarter. And, uh, you know, and it did get quieter, you know. The press box didn't start shaking until the the Saints, you know, came back and I think took the lead. But there, there was it wasn't as if they just sat on their hands and looked up at the sky. I mean, it was still intense and loud. And um, you know, you, you, you I don't I, sometimes you don't want to overplay like what it means to be in a loud environment because these guys they played in college stadiums that had hundred thousand people in it, and they've played in domes and they've played elsewhere around the league, but. I'll just say, like, I've sat in that stadium enough, that one in particular, and Seattle a little bit during their heyday, um, that when you have a really, really good team that everybody has confidence can score at any time, um, and you have that crowd, like, you, you, you're just not comfortable. You know, it just doesn't matter. Like, you could see that even the Eagles, who won the Super Bowl last year and, and had, you know, had a big upset last the previous week in Chicago, you could see they just weren't getting set. They weren't getting their checks in. They weren't. They were, uh, you know, late getting plays. And these things, it just happens. And and talking to the Saints players afterwards, and they say everybody kind of makes says how you know fun and great it is. But like the advantage is real. It really does make a difference. You can just physically feel it when you're sitting in there. And it's hard to articulate it beyond that. But so what the Rams can do, I, I mean, they just have to come out firing and just never let up. And you know, the crowd is still going to be in it. Um, even no matter what the score is, but they'll have to have the game of their their best game of the season and 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 maybe the one of the best games of any NFL team of this season to pull it off. Because I'm I'm so wavering on it because I I keep having this thought in the back of my mind like it's just impossible for anybody to go into the Superdome in January and win. But then I remind myself, well, nine years ago the Vikings almost did it. Yes. It's not for a bunch of turnovers in the yeah. game, but then Which again, were, you have to factor in the turnovers. And that, and thinking back to that game, you know, it, it wasn't just the far of interception. I mean, Adrian Peterson fumbled a bunch of times. They yeah. he reco- they recovered some of them, but uh, there was some turnovers. Bernard Barry and re- fumbled. I mean, that's the kind of just like the if you're not you don't want to be comfortable when you're playing, but if you're not like settled and you're and you're like just dis, you know discombobulated because of how you know just imagine someone putting a, a speaker right to your ear in full blast and try to think straight, try to come up with what you want to say, what you want to write. It's hard. And it, it takes to a di- it, it goes to a different level there. I've seen too many games where guys, you know, Adrian Peterson was somebody who fumbled, but I don't think I can ever remember him being as rattled, I guess, as he was in that game. And, uh, and far inexplicably, you know, he could never explain why he threw that pass. And that just, you just, you just it just drives you to to do things out of your to be out of your comfort zone and stay there and that's not a good thing when you're trying to win on the road and so you know that that's the kind of uh, you know the Rams could win that I mean that that's 
the Rams could dominate the, the yardage and they could be in position to win, but you know, and they could have their great field goal kicker set up to kick a 40-yarder to win it, and he misses it by 20 yards because the crowd's going to bonk. I mean, that's the kind of impact that and weird stuff that doesn't usually happen that can occur down there because of that environment. As always, Kevin, you're the man. Thank you All for right, your time. I appreciate it. Good luck with the show. Thank you. Um, the, the Saints, I, I agree, they're going to be hard to beat You know, in, in New Orleans. Here's my concern. Saints fans heading to Atlanta and partying in Atlanta for a week. First off, what are the, what are the, what are the states between uh, Louisiana and, and Atlanta? Is it just uh, Mississippi, Mississippi? Alabama. And Alabama, right? Yep. Okay. Mississippi and Alabama, there's going to be a trail of fire there as the caravan from New Orleans goes to Atlanta. They are going to burn that place down. Call the, I don't know, the, the Coast Guard, the military. You need help if you're Atlanta right now and Saints fans are on their way to town to party for a week, right? That could be a scary scene if you're a resident weeks, of Atlanta. Maybe. Well, it's not like Atlanta doesn't turn up on its own. Like Atlanta doesn't need somebody else to visit to start something. Now you got the rowdiest fans on one side with another set of rowdy fans. It, it could be a, a tremendous explosion of events on that weekend. But I wondered this. When you look at the teams that are left, right? Mm-hmm. You have the, I almost said Minnesota Vikings. Sorry, that wasn't intentional. Not last year. You have the Patriots, <laughs> which everybody knows the Patriots. You mm-hmm. have the Rams. You have the Saints. And you have the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Now the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes, who uh, I guess he used to drive to the stadium. Now they just pour out a pool of water between where he lives and he just walks on top of the walks, water. walks on it, yeah. yeah. Uh, they have, obviously, Drew Brees, who is the most underrated great quarterback of all time. And then there's Tom Brady. We all know why Tom Brady's in this situation. Jared Goff, to me, is the most like Kirk Cousins. Is in the most Kirk Cousins-like situation. Mm-hmm. In that, nobody trusts Jared Goff to win a Super Bowl on his own. Like, nobody, if you think about the Rams potentially winning a Super Bowl, no one in their mind is going... It's Jared Goff, fourth quarter, you know, nine for nine, two touchdowns, and he's just making these dramatic plays. But those other quarterbacks, you can see them doing that. Mm-hmm. Jared Goff, like Kirk Cousins, needs a lot of help. And he has these weapons. I mean, Goff's got Gurley, who, best quarterback, I mean, best running back maybe in the league, uh, worth every dollar they paid him. He's got uh, these receivers that he can count on. And uh, obviously, Goff has had some down moments in the second half of the season. But when you have an Aaron Donald and what he's able to do defensively, it just kind of changes things. Sacks. Well, it's a it, defensive tackle and with people 20 say, and a half sacks. And he's not going to get an MVP vote. You know, I mean, Michael Strahan, Michael Strahan, when he set the record, didn't get one vote for MVP, right? So defensive players don't get any respect. But Aaron Donald's a game changer. Mm-hmm. Jared Goff has access to all of this talent. But I don't see how it's that much different from what Kirk Cousins has. Like, I mean, there's no Todd Gurley. I'll give you that. But, but in Dalvin terms Cook's of, pretty good. Dalvin Cook's really good. He's not I, Todd Gurley, but he's, still, but he's still pretty good. But you could see him in an offense that was producing the way we expected this offense to produce. You could see Dalvin Cook doing a whole lot of Todd Gurley-like things. So for me, the question becomes with the Minnesota Vikings as you look ahead to the NFC and AFC Championship and these four teams where two of them, how long can Brady and Breeze play? I don't know. But Jared Goff ain't going nowhere. Patrick Mahomes ain't going nowhere. These young dudes are going to be there. Yeah. So how far are you if you are the Minnesota Vikings and Kirk Cousins and this team that fell short of the playoffs, this team that thought they had every piece you needed to win a Super Bowl, how far are you 
from actually contending because contending is not going to an NFC championship. We can name a whole lot of teams that went to AFC and NFC championships and never did it again. They weren't true contenders. So if you're going to contend under Kirk Cousins in the next couple of years, how far, how many pieces away are the Minnesota Vikings from reaching that kind of level? We'll discuss when we come back. Myron Metcalf back here on Purple Daily, live on Score North. Scorenorth.com. Um, I got both gloves on now. Is it like cold in there? I, I don't. It's just my hands are. Cold. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> it's weird. It's very. You got you got both gloves on. You got a very win, you got the winter cap yeah, on. I'm just a. I'm just an odd duck like that, man. You know, I'm just I'm just that kind of dude. <laughs> I got this new uh, one of those what Amazon Echoes are they called, right? Oh, the the uh, the thing Alexa, with Alexa, yeah. right? So I'm I'm this morning I'm yelling at it saying Amazon. I'm like Amazon. And my, my daughter's like, yo, her name's Alexa. <laughs> I thought you could say Amazon to it. First off, first off, why can't I say Amazon to it, by the way? Why can't I say Amazon and that gets a response? Like You should ask her that. Well, exactly. I'm, I'm going to ask her that when I, when I get back, man. Alexa, why isn't your why name Amazon? Why isn't your name Amazon? That's easier, right? <laughs> I just did Amazon's marketing campaign for it in 60 seconds. Make it Amazon and it'd be a lot easier. We have the AFC and NFC Championship game. And, man, I don't know if you heard Robert Kraft. But he, but he said something that it's not crazy, but these are the conversations we're going to start having as he winds up his career. Robert Kraft, owner of the New England Patriots, said that Tom Brady is not just the greatest quarterback of all time. Not that Tom Brady is just the greatest football player of all time. Robert Kraft said Tom Brady is the greatest football player of all time Mm. by far. By far were the words he used. Now, I got a problem with the by far part. If you want to say that Tom Brady is the greatest player of all time, it's hard to argue against that. Like, have you ever had tried to have a conversation with a Patriots fan? (laughs) They just hold up the number five. During the whole yeah. conversation, they just hold up their hand for the five rings that they have, and you can't say anything to them. They, it's just like a shield for them. Well, if you're a Giants fan, you can hold up two and be like, yeah, well, we <laughs> exactly. Got, exactly. The only reason why you don't have seven is because of us. Exactly. <laughs> but they don't care about that. They didn't put up their left hand or right hand, yeah. and they're like, we got Brady. So it's not a crazy argument. But by far, like to me, that, That's a bit extreme. that goes against history. Jim Brown who comes into the NFL, right? First off, Jim Brown, uh, because he was black, was banned from playing football for the first two years at Syracuse. So what does he do? He plays lacrosse. And if you ask Dick Schapp, one of the greatest reporters of all time, who actually saw him play, Dick Schapp, who's deceased now, rest in peace, said that Jim Brown is the greatest lacrosse player that the world has ever seen. Mm. Then Jim Brown goes and plays football. And he's the greatest football player that anybody had ever seen. Jim Brown, his span... Uh, I think it was seven out of eight rushing titles. Jim Brown was the greatest force, perhaps, in sports history. Like, Jim Brown did things in sports that just haven't been duplicated. And then he got out in his prime. I think he retired at 29. I mean, it's hard to go against that. Lawrence Taylor legitimately changed football. Lawrence Taylor legitimately changed how teams operate. Like, we're seeing the Aaron Donald, these super freakish athletes, who can do all these things? Like Lawrence Taylor started that. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and I, I would be curious too because you mentioned 
Robert Kraft saying that about Tom Brady. I'd be curious to to hear what Bill Belichick has to say about that because if you bring up Lawrence Taylor exactly. to Bill Belichick, like Lawrence Taylor walks on water in Bill yes. Belichick's world. Bill Belichick loves Lawrence Taylor. Somebody asked about Khalil Mack in a, uh, yeah. in a press conference. Yeah. And Belichick was like, wait, what? You said Khalil Mack and Lawrence Taylor? No, 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 no. You can't bring up that name with <laughs> right. Lawrence Taylor. That's the great one. So that's my problem is by far ridiculous. Here's my counter argument. Drew Brees is in that conversation. Just nobody wants to admit it. Drew Brees has a Super Bowl, which Super Bowls cannot define quarterbacks. That that shouldn't be the measuring stick. There have been there have been nine five thousand yard seasons, passing seasons in NFL history. Drew Brees has five of them. <laughs> Career leader in passing yards, Mr. Drew Brees. Mm-hmm. Number two in passing touchdowns, Mr. Drew Brees. Number one in career completion percentage, Mr. Drew Brees. How does that not add up to him being perhaps the greatest quarterback of all time? If Drew Brees gets another chip, if he adds another ring like Thanos, right, and puts (laughs) another stone on his finger, Drew Brees (laughs) might be Thanos of quarterbacks. Drew Brees might be the number one quarterback of all time. That's not a crazy thought. So for me, if you're going to say Tom Brady is the best by far, then he can't have a contemporary who's right there with him. And Drew Brees, except for the Super Bowl rings, He's four short. It might be three in the next couple weeks. That's the only thing, Manny, that makes to me that a crazy argument. It's like you got a guy right there next to Brady yeah. who's put up crazy numbers. Around the same time. Sound, around the same time. Both started in 2001, I believe. And the numbers, he's got you beat in a bunch of categories. How can you say greatest player by far with Drew Brees sitting right there? And Drew Brees, too, hasn't had all the same sort of now he's had good infrastructure in in new orleans yeah but he hasn't had like moss he hasn't had the patriots no. what the what tom brady has had with the patriots for almost two decades now the other part of it too though myron is football is you know i look at like basketball and baseball and hockey to me with those three sports it's easier to sort of define like the greatest player yes, of all time. I agree 100%. Because a lot of those guys, are they're all sort of doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. With football, it's really hard because the positions and the roles on teams are so different. Yeah. Like what a defensive player does is completely different from what Tom Brady or, or another great quarterback does. So it's really hard to look at Tom Brady as a quarterback and say, he is the greatest football player of all time because there are other guys who played other positions like a Lawrence Taylor, like yep. a Jim Brown, like a, you know, Walter Jerry Payton, Rice, Walter Payton. Jerry yeah. Rice, same sort of thing where it's it's hard to really like definitively say this guy is the greatest football player of all time because the positions are so different. I agree 100% with that. And, and you know, even if you compare him to his contemporaries, Aaron Rodgers if you put him in the Patriots system, are you telling me he wouldn't have as many rings? Are you telling me Aaron Rodgers wouldn't have put himself in the same situation? Of course he would have. Drew Brees could have too. Like you said, there's a system in place there that has really helped Tom Brady. I'm not taking nothing away from Tom Brady, but clearly he's had help being in this great system. Drew Brees is right there. Aaron Rodgers has been the most efficient quarterback in NFL history. You can't say by far when we're looking at guys who have been in that conversation outside the Super Bowls, 
They've been right there. And you can't just talk Super Bowls because Terry Bradshaw has four of them. Right? <laughs> Troy Aikman has three of them. Has anybody ever started a conversation by saying, I think Troy Aikman might be one of the best quarterbacks of all time? You ever heard that? I've never heard Nobody that. says it I've and no one ever will that. say it. Troy Aikman won't say it. Okay? And Troy was good. Troy was good, but he wasn't one of the greats. So you have a guy in Tom Brady who obviously could win another one. Drew Brees trying to get number two. Patrick Mahomes, who this could be the start of the next Tom Brady-like run. You're right. This could be a guy who's around for 20 years and changes the game. And then you got Jared Goff. Here's my question, man. How far are the Vikings from jumping into this mix? Because we saw the NFC Championship with the great Case Keenum. Uh, and then we saw last year where you don't get to the playoffs. My concern, if I were a Vikings fan, is this. Look at the teams that were in the playoffs, and you tell me why they're going to get worse. The Saints, let's say Drew Brees wins it and retires. Teddy Bridgewater is going to take that job, and they're still going to be pretty good with all the pieces that they have. They're not going anywhere. The Rams got golf, and he's not going anywhere. Gurley's yeah, not going anywhere. <laughs> the Eagles, if they put Carson Wentz back in and he's healthy, that team's still going to be a force to be reckoned with. The Seattle Seahawks have Russell Wilson. Everyone said Legion of Boom is gone. Turned out to be a top 12-11 ish defense. Mm-hmm. So Russell Wilson ain't going anywhere, right? You got the Dallas Cowboys and Dak Prescott. They gave him Amari Cooper. Maybe they add a few other offensive pieces this summer to help him even more. His offensive line finally gets healthy. Dak Prescott's not going anywhere. You got the Bears. You got the Chicago Bears who Mitch Trubisky outperformed what everybody expected. That team isn't going anywhere. And then you got the teams that didn't make the playoffs. That just scare everybody, right? The Atlanta Falcons with yeah. Julio Jones and, and the teams that they have down there. That team could bounce right back. The Carolina Panthers, I don't know what's going to happen with Cam Newton. But I know that's a team that could be right there. Do you think he's going to sit out 2019? I don't know because I think I think he's got to get healed up. Mm-hmm. And I he's think banged up. He's, he's, young he's taking up. some punishment. The question you got to ask yourself is this. If you let Cam Newton go in 2019 and he gets hurt early and he sits out a season anyway, are you, are you better off just saying, hey, man, let's just make sure you're good than putting him in that situation? He was not himself last year. Everyone knew it. That is still a younger quarterback. He ain't young, young, but he's younger mm-hmm. and can still give you 10 more years. If him sitting out makes, makes him better for the future, I'm all for it. But the Panthers could eventually bounce back depending on the moves that they make, right? I mean, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a team like that. The Green Bay Packers have a new coach who I think is going to be more innovative, who might open up some things for Aaron Rodgers. I mean, this is an NFC that's not going to get worse. These teams are going to be here again. So how far away are the Vikings from jumping into that mix and definitely being a playoff team? Because I don't think anybody can tell me right now that you see a path between today and the next season where the Minnesota Vikings are certainly, definitively a playoff team. Maybe I'm wrong, though, man. It's really hard to say it. It's really hard to say that they're definitely a playoff team because, to your point, of all the the depth of the NFC and all the teams that weren't in the playoffs that could potentially make a jump, the teams that did make the playoffs that could potentially still be there in the mix next year – But the other part of this, too, Myron, that is disturbing me about this team is you you had a top five ranked defense again this Uh year. And 
you had a quarterback that you gave $84 million to. Guaranteed. You had two wide receivers who are G-U-A-R-A-E-T. I I think that's how you spell it. Go ahead. I don't know how to spell it. Go ahead. (laughs) Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Um, You had two wide receivers that are two of the best in the business that both had over 100 catches this year. At one point, people were calling them the best receiving duo in the NFL. That was not crazy at all. Right. And, And then you have a young running back like Dalvin Cook. And it's to me, it's it's like everybody wants to focus on the offensive line. And yes, the offensive line for the Vikings this year was bad. But you had all of that other stuff, a top five defense again, two stud wide receivers, a running back, and you're telling me you're, the offensive line is the only reason why yeah. you went eight, seven, and one. I'm looking at the quarterback, Myron. Yep. I'm looking at the quarterback and saying, okay. They they could get you an offensive line, and at that point you still got the defense, you still got the receivers, you got the running back. If they give you a line, now it's on you. Uh huh. It's on Kirk Cousins. You got to do your part now. Yes. And I don't know if just fixing the offensive line is if if them having a missing you know not having a good guard is the difference between them being eight seven and one and twelve and four. Yeah. I mean that's the that's been the argument, right? Isn't it so easy to pick on offensive linemen? So many of them are mostly anonymous. We don't know who they are. They don't talk to the media. They don't have endorsements. And yet they shoulder the blame. The O-line and the D-line take the blame for everything. Oh, oh, hey, why is your team succeeding? We're winning at the line of scrimmage. (laughs) Okay, why are you failing? We're not tough enough at the line of scrimmage. How about everything else? I'll say this in in sort of counter to your point, but also supporting it. I watched Andrew Luck get one of the nastiest young offensive linemen in the NFL draft Mm -hmm. and Quentin Nelson, and it changed that team. It did. Quentin Nelson being able to solidify that offensive line in Indianapolis, giving Andrew Luck the security of not taking some of the hits that he had taken in the past that led to him not playing for two years. That changed the Indianapolis Colts. That changed the direction of the franchise. Andrew Luck became a top five, six passer again in the NFL. So I can see you going out and getting a young offensive lineman who has that same nastiness, that same effect. Mm-hmm. But can you trust Kirk Cousins? That's the that's the other part. And, of it. and here's what I yep. here's what I mean with Kirk. When can you trust Kirk Cousins? There's Breeze. There's Brady. Mahomes is in a different group. Who else is elite? Healthy Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. There are four or five guys to me in the NFL where you go, they can make a way out of no way, right? They can just find a way. There are about 10 quarterbacks where you go, if they play to their potential, they can be in that category, even if it's for a season or two. Mm -hmm. But it's not just a given. Kirk Cousins is in that mix where Russell Wilson has some great days. He's had some bad days too. Jared Goff has had some great days. He's had some bad days too. But those guys at their best are elite quarterbacks. Kirk Cousins at his best can be an elite quarterback. I'm just not sure how consistently we'll see that. Mm -hmm. And if he's not consistently an elite quarterback, that's how you end up at the bottom of the pile in the NFC next season. Because you can't afford for $84 million for Kirk Cousins not to be an elite quarterback, you know, 12, 13 times a season. And I I don't know if if people have sort of – regulated this whole thing to just fixing the offensive line. Just fix the offensive line and the Vikings will be fine. 
I just don't know if it's that simple. No, it's definitely not. I that don't simple. know if it's that simple, no. especially for Kirk Cousins, because I just there, there there just seems to be something with him that's just missing a little bit. Not being good enough. He's the problem is he got paid like a superstar quarterback, mm-hmm. but ain't nothing not. superstar about him. What he is and what he had in Washington a couple of years is at his very best. He can look like a superstar quarterback. Like, I can moonwalk, but I ain't Michael Jackson, right? <laughs> but if you can fool somebody in a 10-second video, everybody goes, oh, look at him dancing, right? Well, you got the gloves on. Well, man. I got the gloves on. But that's the <laughs> that's the key is we you can be fooled into, okay, he's a good quarterback off one great season. We're talking about Breeze. We're talking about Brady because they have been consistently elite quarterbacks. For $84 million, are we going to get that from Kirk Cousins going forward? I don't know the answer to that, but that's the question going forward. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.